Hey everyone, Super Shadow here. Just wanted to say thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. I also wanted to take a quick second to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. We literally could not do our shows and have them out for all you guys to hear without this one. And I'm talking about Anchor. And if you haven't heard Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast because of a few reasons here. One, it is absolutely free. They will never charge you. Uh, it's absolutely free to sign up, make an account, and get started today. Uh, also, there are a ton of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Not only that, Anchor will take your podcast, take your videos, your audio files, and have them so that they can be heard all across the different platforms. I'm talking Spotify, Apple Music, and many, many more. You also can start making money right here, right now. That's right. Anchor has no minimum for their listenership. You could join, make an account for free, and start earning money today. It's everything you really need in a podcast all in one place. So go download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. Why not? Why not get started? You can do this. So again, go to anchor.fm or Anchor app in your app store and download it today. Thank you, guys. on chat welcome to episode two of this season's pastors after dark i will be your host tonight fair storm uh our soup box is also happening by uh the bearded tennessean himself dr heels and then streaming this wonderful show and dealing with all of the new twists and turns of obs ninja and how we're streaming Mm -hmm. is pastor deuce himself uh just so you all know, we found this uh, tool for us to use to get you all better quality. That way you don't have to look at my face in 16 bits. Now, the good part is you get to see it in more detail. The bad part is you get to see my face in more detail. Uh, I'm sorry. I know that isn't a blessing, but here we are. Uh, tonight, we are discussing a very interesting question that's been asked many times in many different ways. Is there anything God can't do? And it was accompanied with this question. Can an omnipotent being, an almighty God, create a stone so heavy that it cannot lift it? And we're going to be talking about this today. Is there anything God cannot do? Before we get uh, jumping into the show tonight, let's kick this thing off with prayer. Uh, Dr. Heels, would you mind opening this up with prayer tonight? Absolutely. Absolutely. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for everything you do for us, what you do through us, what you're doing here through this ministry, God. I I just pray that your hand would be on us, God. I pray that it would not be our words that are heard, but it'd be your word today, Lord. I pray that if there's anyone here that's struggling, Lord, that are asking questions they need answers to, that that you you would lead us to bring those answers, God, to lead them closer to you, God. We all know um, that the secret uh, to a fulfilling life. The secret to to everlasting life comes through you, God. I just pray that we could be the vessels you use to introduce someone to uh, to that everlasting life here today. Father, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 
Amen. Thank you so much. Hey, since uh, Father Ironheart is not able to join us tonight because his tum-tum hurts, as I said in our pre-show, <laughs> and I'm going to continue to say that, uh, uh, Dr. Heels, would you mind being our gatekeeper? Is that too much to ask for this Hey, evening? no, absolutely. Um, I will uh, say, though, like, I literally have the worst job of, like, the, like my most feared job is what I have with Suitbox now. Like, to remember what we said. I can't remember what we said two minutes ago. And I'm at the end supposed to talk about what we said during the episode. Don't worry. Just, just fine. Do, do what all great speakers do and, like, attach to one point and make that your whole point. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. Someone just give me something good right now and I'll write it down. There you go. Chad, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Test out at Dr. Heels in chat. Make sure it's yes. working. You can tag him. Uh, and you can ask him any questions. Uh, you can ask him what type of beard oil does he use? Does he sleep on the left side or right side of the bed? Is he uh, does he have a does he have a, a a duck feather pillow? Okay, these are all questions you need to know. Uh, on top of any questions you have about tonight's subject, uh, but we're gonna really concerned we're gonna... about how much Ferris knows about my sleeping li life right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you really have a duck feather pillow? No, but that would be dope, right? Oh, that'd be, <laughs> that'd be amazing. Yeah. It'd be oh, amazing. So, guys, let's kick this episode off with a question that was asked. And it, it, again, it wraps around, is there anything that God cannot do? So we need to establish a couple things. What is omnipotent? We're going to we, let's define this word because that's part of the question. Cannot, can an omnipotent being, an almighty God, create a stone so heavy that it cannot lift it? So we need to define omnipotent. Uh, and then we need to define, can God make a rock? And we need to figure out if that rock can be too big that God can't lift it. So, uh, Deuston, let's start off with you. Could you, okay. in 60 seconds or less, define omnipotent? You can give uh, a Webster definition, a biblical definition, your interpretation of multiple definitions, whatever you feel comfortable, but let, let, let's set upon an agreed upon definition for the three of us in this omnipotence definition, because I think, I think, you know, theology, that mm -hmm. word, uh, and your theology of God dictates, uh, your view of omnipotence. And then your theology of God will help be able to, uh, reveal the answer to this question that we're going to be jumping into tonight. So l let's define omnipotence. Do some, what do you got? For yeah. Me? Okay. Uh, so I would say, uh, omnipotence just in general means all powerful. Um, uh, but that, that simple definition is what leads to questions like tonight's and kind of the conundrum of, you know, well, what about this hypothetical scenario? Uh, so yeah, it's all powerful, but the the whole thing in saying like in stating that definition is then you need to define what that means <laughs> that he is all powerful. Uh, are there any limits to that power? And I think we'll get into all that tonight. And I don't want to give that hand away quite yet. Um, but uh, it's saying that God is all powerful is different than saying that there's nothing that God can't do. Um, sometimes we, we conflate those and just say it's the same thing, but, uh, saying that God is all powerful is not the same thing as saying that there's nothing that God can't do. Um, <clears throat> so I'll start there. What do y'all, what do y'all think about that? Is that a, a fair definition to start with? 
I like it. Yeah, I like it. He- Heels, do you have anything you would be able to add to all powerful? No, no, I actually, I think that was really good. And I think Deuce had said something that a lot of us need to hear um, when we ask these questions. Uh, om- omnipotent or all powerful doesn't mean that there's absolutely nothing God can't do, right? Because there are some things in scripture that God can't do. It just, it says in scripture, it's against his nature. Um, and yeah, so I think that was a really good definition. Uh, and to include that, you know, all powerful doesn't mean that there's absolutely nothing that God can't do, right? Yeah. Okay. So absolutely nothing that God can't do. Okay. So let's get to the crux of a nonsense question. Because uh, that's really what the question is when you ask, can an all-powerful being create a, uh, a rock that is so big that he can't lift it? Um, this is a really interesting question, and it's nonsense for a couple of reasons. One, uh, because it is a philosophical question that has arguments on either side, but it, it's simply solved in my opinion. And I'd love it for you all to kind of dig in maybe into my opinion of it. Uh, but for uh, an all-powerful being to create something that he cannot influence, which mean, would mean that he would have to empty himself of all power and then be able to give it further power so that it would lord over him. So it would have to become the all-powerful being. So logically, if we're just like, if we're going to hang up in the philosophy, uh, the philosophical idea of this, it would be impossible for God to create something that he cannot lift because if he's always all powerful, then everything he makes as a max will always increase and he will always increase. And it would be impossible for anything to overcome that, which is all powerful. That's a philosophical idea, mm-hmm. right? But I mentioned that this is a nonsensical question. Right. Deucin. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this question when postulated? Because sometimes people who want to be able to attack the idea of an omnipotent God will come with this straw man argument, this nonsensical question. And how would you react to it or how would you respond to it? Or how would you be able to explain to them that, look, your question that you're starting off with, that you're, you know, that you're trying to trip up on, trip up believers on is, is, is already a, a poor question. Right. Yeah, and that's just it. That the question itself is is nonsensical in nature because to say, <clears throat> can God, an all powerful God, uh, create a, a rock so heavy that it cannot be lifted, and so He cannot lift it? Well, then that would mean that an all powerful, infinitely powerful God uh, creates something that also is heavier than infinity. <laughs> Which it just it doesn't make sense uh, on at the beginning of it. So it's like by stating or by asking that question, uh, and then my answer being no because it doesn't make sense. That doesn't mean that God is somehow limited in his power or ability because you postulated this question. Uh, it just means your question is dumb. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of like I re- I'll always remember this in uh, in. In 12th grade, I took physics, and our physics professor uh, asked us a question. He said, if you were driving in a car going the speed of light and you turned on the headla- the headlights, what would happen? And so we're all trying to think about it like, okay, if our car is going the speed of light. And and so we're like coming up with all this math, and we're like, well, based on this and this. And, and some people are saying uh, that it would be like an infinite beam of light. Some people are saying nothing would happen because you'd be going the same speed and the light wouldn't be able to travel forward. And we're coming up with all these like 
trying to hypothesize what would happen. And the professor's response is, wow, that's all very interesting. But um, the fact is, uh, a car, anything with any mass cannot go the speed of light. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. Um, and that's always kind of stuck with me that, you know, we try to wrap our brain around some very deep theological or philosophical questions sometimes, whenever, if we just look at the root of the question, it it, it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> it's kind of nonsensical. The more important questions are the ones we'll be answering tonight about uh, the, the limits of God's power, or is there anything that he can't do? But it is an interesting question, and I mean, Einstein's a pretty smart guy who supposedly um, postulated it, so it'll be fun to talk No, no, about. I'm just hung up on the car thing. Yeah, I know. It was. It's, what happened? I've always, I've no. always thought about that. <laughs> yep. Nope. That's gonna well, be stuck in my brain for the next year. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> so, heels. If if you haven't done it, you should really go check out the physics of mass. Whenever things reach up the the speed of light, because yep. not only do they speed up, they also get much heavier. And anything that has that much weight would literally just disintegrate and not be able to go that fast. There's yep, a reason why right. light light goes <laughs> that fast. It essentially weighs. But Star Wars, <laughs> so you know, I see flaws in your logic. So, and I remember Star he, Wars. We were like asking him for yeah. proof, and he was like, "Well, mathematically, so for something to go, for something with any mass to go the speed of light, it would have to push infinitely hard." It's like that doesn't even make sense, Professor. You're just making stuff up now. So it's just <laughs> you get in this weird ethereal realm whenever you start talking about it. This has <laughs> nothing to do with our subject tonight, but I was asked this question in. Uh, high school math, if you're riding on top of a truck going 70 miles an hour and you throw a 70 mile an hour fastball, how fast is the ball going? Right. And then we had to calculate wind resistance and things like that. And then already that ball is going 70 miles an hour, then you increase its velocity. Those things are calculable. Okay. But when you're talking about, in, like when you're talking about infinites, mm -hmm. there are uh, uh, wonderful laws of physics that the Lord uh, established and put in place to go, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to create some limitations for you guys. Uh, now, do I hope one day light travel is uh, uh, created? Yes, because I want to do the same run that Han Solo did in 12 parsecs. Okay, I want to do that. Yeah. Or like eight parsecs. <laughs> was it eight? It was eight. Somebody in chat correct me. I don't know. But okay, so know. the question that's postulated is a nonsensical question. So if we can't continue chat tonight, in that like modality then we need to take a turn to is there anything god can't do and we've already described and discussed omnipotence all powerful so let's let, let's talk about some some more omni words right so omnipotent all powerful uh heals we we mm -hmm. kind of said all powerful uh what are some of those powers can does that mean he can fly yeah <laughs> Okay, yeah, cool. I mean, God, 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 so, okay. God can fly. God can fly. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where to go with this. Um, uh, with the with the question directly, but yeah. So I mean, God is God is omnipotent. Do you want me to go into the other omnis? Uh, or yeah, or which let, way do let, I go let, let, let let's get into these omnis because I okay. Really, this question deals with the theology of God. So we have to have an understanding of who God is, what God is, that we really can't solve in two hours of a show. But we can we can start chipping away at the ice block here and kind of start wrapping okay. our head around some of these omnis, like the, our theology of God. Okay, so uh, we know that uh, God is omnipotent, He's omniscient, and He's omnipresent, right? 
Um, so omnipotent means that God is all powerful. Um, and sort of that's where this question is coming from. Is there anything God, you know, can't, uh, rocking create so big, I can't even quote. So let me gather my tongue real quick. I can't even word, say what I'm word. trying to say. Um, like, so whenever we're, we're asking, can God create a rock so big he can't lift it? We're questioning his omnipotence, uh, his, his power, right? Um, his omniscience is God knows everything. Um, so God is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful. Um, he is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. And he's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere, basically at all times. And that's kind of what makes God who he is. Um, and th those are at least the three omnis I know about. That's, is there more? I, uh, those those are let, we can start there we'll chip there okay, okay. so so Deucin, let me yep. let me let me dig into some of these omnis okay and so we defined omni uh, omniscient which is all powerful uh omnipresent let's talk about a little bit of omnipresent right so mm -hmm. heels gave us a definition that he can be at all places at all times right is that is that would you adapt or change that definition at all Would I? Yeah. Oh, thought you were asking heels. Um, no, 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 no. You, oh. you. Uh, no, I don't think so. That, uh, yeah, that God could be, or that God is uh, all places at all times. That He is omnipresent. Yeah, yeah, I think okay, that's fair. Okay, so let's let's dig into this uh, mind puzzle a little bit more. So, is God currently? In a temporal sense, as in the moment that time in his in God's creation began, is he at the beginning of time, the end of time, today and yesterday? <laughs> yeah, it's funny you ask that <laughs> because um, the way that I've always described it, um, especially whenever I'm like talking to kids who ask these kind of questions a lot, uh, who really like trying to dig into your brain. Um, the way I've always described the the timeline of eternity is is like a parade. Um, we we happen to be living in the 2021 float right now, and we're uh, you know we have this occupied space of time on the timeline of eternity where we are here on this earth living our life. Um, we have eternity to look forward to, but for right now, we're on that float. <clears throat> God is. He is uh, not only on the parade with us, but he is also looking at the parade and he can see the entire parade at the same time. He sees the beginning. He sees the end. Uh, so whenever you ask, is he present uh, currently in, you know, at the beginning of time and the end of time as strange of a question and, and weird thing for us to try and wrap our brain around? Um, if I had to give a yes or no, I'd say yes, uh, that he is present in not only spaces, but times because he sees the beginning from the end. In Revelation, we see very clearly that he is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. He has existed from time, eternity past and will exist for all eternity. He had no creator. He is the creator. He, uh, superseded everything that has been created, um, so it's a an interesting question, but um, yeah, I, I would say he is at all places and times. He's uh, there's got to be a better word for it, but oh wait, okay. omnipresent. We'll go with that. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Now, now heels to give you the easy omni, uh, mm -hmm. like omniscient knows 
all things. Mm-hmm. Kappa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paris, for giving all... me the easy one. Have fun, Dr. Heels. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. If, if, uh... Uh, if Ironheart were here, he would have, mm-hmm. this would have been a, this would have been a softball for him. Um, with, without getting into uh, too much on either side of an argument, can you give a simple answer of this? Yeah. Uh, so, okay. To me, omniscient means simple. Like, I mean, what it says, God knows all things. Now I think we can obviously go into the predestination versus free will argument here. Um, but I would say that God is, he knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. He knows whether he's in control of or not. He knows the decision each individual person will make. He knows the the circumstances in which things will happen. He knows um, basically everything that will happen has happened and, and is currently going on. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so that's why I would, I would stop right there that God knows all those things. Now, if we're going predestination, free will stuff, I guess we can go there, but. No, no, we're, we're not going, we're not going there. We're, okay. let, let's say we're going to stay on the chip because the reality of wherever <laughs> these arguments then lead to of discuss, like of what Gottfuss says in chat of like the, how that's semantics mm-hmm. for another, for another, uh, for another passage after dark the facts are that god is all-powerful he which is omniscient mm-hmm. or omnipotent he knows all things omniscient and he is at all places and at all times uh which is omnipresent these are factualities spoken about in the bible so we're going to stay there because we have to have a we have to have a base understanding of our theology of god to be able to discuss if he has any limitations, and if so, what are they? So before we switch into those limitations, Heels, what questions has chat brought to us that you think we might uh, want to dig into yeah. before we switch to our next gear? Yeah, yeah. So um, Zero asked earlier, and I think this is maybe something that they're talking about at the end of the pre-show, um, but Zero asked, I'd love for you guys to cover my question regarding generational curses. Uh, but only if you have time at the end. So maybe it's not directly in in with this. Zero, if you want to send me the question in detail, we'll we'll jump into that at the end. Um, well, I think Lakara asked. Uh, yeah, I think Lakara asked uh, a pretty specific question. What we're talking about right now. Uh, what about Mark six five, where it says Jesus could do no mm. mighty work in his hometown because the people did not believe? So you giving that one to? Oh, uh, send that to your wife, Ferris. There you go. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, I heard, I heard Deucen already flipping through pages, but... Uh... No, it's good. It's good. So that's a really interesting verse, though. The one part about that is that he cut off that verse and the question a little too soon. It says that, and Jesus could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. So it it's interesting because the question that we're proposed and we're not really given much detail here is that was Jesus's power limited to their unbelief? So like he could have done big things that, but they would have been like, ah, forget it. He's just a charlatan and he's just selling snake oil. Or the question that we need to ask here is was Jesus's power literally limited in his ability to affect the world that he created. Now we see through the rest of the verse of Mark six, five, that he could heal sick people. So it it wasn't like he was just robbed of all power. The way it reads, when you look at all, let me pull up Mark six real quick, the entire chapter. 
This is what it says. I want to start. Uh, we're not going to read the entire chapter, but here's what it says in verse one. He went away from there and came to his hometown uh, town and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were some saying, where did this man come get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James uh, and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Uh, are not his sisters here with us? Yes, Jesus had sisters, if you didn't know this. It's right here. I, I don't know where their names are. Probably Tina and Tina too. That's not in the Bible. That's not real. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the people the people of Nazareth, they took offense to him. That's what it says at the end of verse 3. And it says, Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And verse 5 says, and he could not do mighty work uh, there except that he laid a few hands on sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Now, that verse, that section is more about their unbelief to believe the mighty works rather than God's, Jesus's inability to do mighty works. It was almost wasted on them because the moment that they even interacted with him, they, it, their conversation wasn't about the miracles that he was doing because they heard about the miracles. They saw them. That's what we see in verse two, right? They were astonished. They were astonished by this by this man about his teachings about the mighty works that have been done by his hand so they, they had heard it they were like nah this can't this can't be real this guy he knows somebody okay so it's, you know flashing lights the smoke you know it's the distraction don't let them see what your left hand is doing while like you show them the right hand they thought that he was like an illusionist a liar a magician somebody who could not have genuine power why because they watch this kid grow up right they watch him run around and play but when you have that familiarity with somebody and you remove their uh, the ability of God to work in them, especially when it is God, you don't see God in their work. That's they're, they're literally, their hearts are hardened. When I read chapter six, one through five here, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the hardened hearts of people who grew up knowing Jesus, who had conversations with him. I mean, we even know when he was 12 years old, he was already astonishing the people uh, in Jerusalem. So we, it's not like Jesus all of a sudden came out of nowhere. He, he was fully God the entire time, and it's their heart and hearts, which are limiting their ability to acknowledge the deity that is in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, that's good, and I like how you kind of pointed out that it would, it would almost be wasted on them because it's not like, you know, it's not that he was – physically or divinely i guess <laughs> incapable of doing uh -huh. it um but it would have it wouldn't have served the purposes that he was about doing um because they were already just kind of you know writing him off and and whatever uh he he right? did could, what he needed you, to do could you imagine like right like jesus and his righteous indignation of people not believing could have walked into his hometown right and seen this but like buddy like right george is right down the street and george is like ah this fool he's like oh yeah george you're a bird right, right. in front of everybody right <laughs> yeah he's like and be like poof you're back oh right like right. he could have done that but but jesus wasn't there to to show off his power he was there to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to pre preach peace to people through faith in him, faith in God. He wasn't there to impress oh. them with magic trips. He was there to change their life for eternity. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
So that's that would be question. that would be my response to Mark six five. Uh, right. Do y'all have any uh, any further input? Do you think that's something that he couldn't do, or that like it was just you know it was like throwing seed on rock? It wasn't going to take fruit. Right. I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Heels, what else has he got? Chat got for us. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to send this to to Deucin. Uh Jake, you okay. just asked a good question. Um, and I'm working on, on a question with zero words getting some clarification on uh, that I'll ask after this one. But uh, Deuce, if you want to answer this, it's uh, why was it important for Jesus to empty himself? Uh, why would he choose not to do certain things? Uh, he could demonstrate his power, but he chose not to. Yeah, good question. Okay, so let's go. Let's open Philippians 2. I knew we were going to be here at some point tonight. <laughs> Just didn't know at what point we were going to get there. Um Okay, so there it is. And let me switch the scene. Okay. So good question. It, the idea of Jesus emptying himself comes from Philippians 2, uh, where it says, doo, 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 um, starting in verse 5, uh, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought, uh, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, uh, the question specifically, why was it important for Jesus to empty himself? Why would he choose not to do certain things? He could demonstrate his power, but chose not to. And we kind of alluded to it with the Mark 6 question. Um, <clears throat> and I think you're kind of hitting on the point there in the way that you said the question. Um, that he chose not to do certain things. So why is that important? Because God, he had a plan and a purpose from eternity past. Everything was going according to that perfect plan and God's perfect timing. And he did the things that needed to be done. Think about all the times whenever he was uh, in a crowd of people and there's there's people all over the place who are are sick or hungry or whatever. And he would like, he would interact specifically with one person. Uh, there's other times whenever, like it says, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick and then he fed the 5,000 and whatever, those kind of things. But there's other times where we see where he interacts with a specific person and it's for a specific purpose. Now, John says that we don't have everything that Christ did. If, if it was all written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to uh, contain it all. But um, we see that he did do the things that needed to be done to, de to demonstrate his power, yes, and his purpose. He could have done anything. While he was on the cross, he could have called down legions of angels to, to get him off the cross. He could have taken himself down off the cross. Uh, but he submitted himself to the Father's will because God had a plan and a purpose in all things. Uh we see like in the Garden of Gethsemane, for example, before the cross where Jesus is, is praying and he's praying so uh, intensely and profusely that he's sweating uh, blood. And um, 
he's agonizing over what he's about to go through to bear the weight of all the sin of humanity on his shoulders to die on the cross to go through everything he was about to go through and he says uh, in his prayer um, father if there's any way this cup can pass from me but nevertheless not my will but yours be done see so much of it was him submitting to the will of the father which you can get into some interesting conversations there about the the wills of of God and in the Trinity and the Godhead and all that. Um, but the simple answer, why did he choose uh, to um, empty himself? Well, outside of just the it, so many things in like the idea of taking the form of a servant, being born of a virgin, um, coming to this earth, the creator of all things, this all powerful, all knowing, omnipresent God that we've been talking about. Uh, coming and submitting himself to being born of human parents, to being raised by them, uh, to have to learn how to walk and move and talk and do all these kind of things um, is a wild thought to think about. And it just reminds us of that perfect picture of humility uh, that Christ um, uh, portrayed. And um, so, yeah, it's it, it was all to submit to the will of the Father. I would say. Long, like that. Long answer, yeah, but that sure. was a was a good question. No, 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 great answer. Um, all right, I have some some clarity. If if unless uh, you want to add anything to that, Ferris. No, I liked it. Put okay. a pin in it. It's done. Good job. Put a pin. All right, we'll call that one done. <laughs> now I'll say zero's question takes us a little off topic, but uh, this is definitely one I think we should address. Um, and talk about, and he kind of, he spent over, he sent over, uh, the details of why he asked the question. And I think that that, uh, that does help because it's easy. I feel like to talk about things, um, to talk about subjects, uh, but when we see them in the real lives of the people we're talking to, it does, uh, you know, it, it adds a little bit of clarity to it. So zero wants to know about generational curses. Um, uh, so he's specifically asked about that, but he's specifically asking for his family. And he says that Deuce knows a little bit about it. So, um, we'll make sure Deuce and you get a chance to chime in too. Uh, but he says, uh, I lost my older brother a few weeks ago, quite suddenly, and I'm wrestling with his loss. My, fa my father lost his dad when he was 12. His wife, who's his mom, passed away when I was 12. Uh, my dad also lost his firstborn daughter. My brother, not the one who passed away, lost his firstborn son. And now my older brother has passed away, leaving his wife and four young kids. I understand the fallen world concept. Um, but there's just been so much death. Um, he says, there's been so much death surrounding our family from one generation to the next. I can't help but feel like there is some kind of spiritual attack on our family. I understand the fallen world concept, concept but this much family tragedy doesn't feel like a coincidence. Uh, maybe I'm overthinking it. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so Deucin, do you want to chime in on that uh, first? Sure. Um, I'm, I wish I could remember off the top of my head Um the Bible uh, talks about there's a few verses where we get like this idea, this concept of generational curses. Um, and every time that I can uh, recollect that it uh, mentions that it it'll say like um, to so and so how many generations to you and to your children and your children's children or something. But it doesn't go that far. But there's four. Four. OK. Is that the furthest? Yeah. OK. Uh, yeah, I, think um, that, I think that we see that in. uh and when the laws are being written in, uh, why can't I think of it right now? I don't know. And I say the Old Testament. Yeah, <laughs> You'll be okay. safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Exodus but, 34. Okay. 
So to know. the fourth I generation. Just, I googled it. Well, then the other one, maybe y'all can help me with this reference too, because this is also just a fuzzy one in my brain. But I know that in in the Bible, it also says uh, whenever it's talking about generational blessings, uh, it's I don't remember how far. It's way way down the line. Um, it's much further. So is this idea of a generational curse a a thing? Um, uh, I mean, there's some biblical precedent for that. Yes. I like how the Dan was talking about it earlier in the idea of like different proclivities that we might have, like, uh, alcoholism, things like this, but, uh, this specific example, yeah, your family has been just ravished by all these things. And, um, there is the fallen world concept. Yes, we do live in a fallen world, but at the end of the day, it's it's all the effects of sin. Sin is an ugly, horrible thing. We have a very real enemy who wants to destroy us. Sin is a very real thing that we have to battle, um, and it it's always an ugly thing, and we're all facing the effects of it every day uh, in our life, in our families. And I don't know all the details about why everything happened and all that kind of stuff, but um, the greatest thing is that we have hope one day uh, in Christ. We have hope to see these people again if they were in Christ. Um, and we know that uh, he's working through all things. We don't we don't understand how that works a lot. Like Romans 8, 28, it's a common thing. We hear it all the time. He's, he's working through, through all things uh, for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And that's true. And I believe that means that he works through the good and the bad. But right now, all we see is, you know, that that little bitty one puzzle piece. But one day on the other side of eternity, I believe we'll be able to look back and see how everything fit together and how God works through all things for his good, for for our good, for his glory. Yeah, abso absolutely. Dr. Uh, Hill's got attacked, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> ignore everything you just happened on my camera. My daughter came in to give me a hug, and then uh, one of my uh, youth leaders uh, and his wife were over, uh, and he decided to come in and give me a hug. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's what just happened. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> this is a dude attacking Hills. But um, yeah, so to speak to the to the this situation directly uh, uh zero i would just initially say man i'm i'm sorry you've had to go through so much i know loss is hard um i think you know most of us have uh, can can relate to that um i i don't know that it's you know generational curse or, or, or anything of that nature um, but i do know that loss is hard and i know that deucing kind of hit on it that you know the 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 beautiful thing about this is it's not it's not goodbye if they are in Christ and you're in Christ. It's not goodbye. It's, you know, it's, I'll see you later. And that's sort of the hope that we get to hold on to as as children of Christ um, is, is that this world is not the end that, that in reality, death is just the beginning uh, of the best thing that is to come. Um, and so, I mean, that's the hope that I hold on to. I've lost, you know, mom and dad and, and, and a lot of close family and, and the hope that I have is that I will one day see them again. And not only will I see them again, but they will be healthy. They will be worshiping Jesus and, and that we will, we will be able to experience a world without pain, without sin, without guilt, uh, and, and in a world that's just joy and, and worship of, of God. Um, so that's the hope that we have. I, I don't know. I'll ask uh, Ferris to hit on the generational curse thing. Um, but me, I know where my hope lies. It's not goodbye, but a see you later. Now, Ferris, you answer the hard yeah. part. 
Uh, okay, so <laughs> there's generational cur- curses is, I'm going to call it a modern day buzz phrase in a lot of Christian minds. Uh, here's the reality. There are definitely generational consequences of people's sins. For example, here's how I would, here's how I would explain it. It's a consequence, not a curse. Uh, my father's father was uh, was an adulterer. He wasn't a good father. He didn't take care of my dad. Uh, so my dad was put into uh, a like a children's home uh, up until the age he was two, where his family came and pulled him and his sister out. Uh, and my father grew up without a father. Uh, that raising without somebody instilling into my father what it means to be uh, a good man, a man of God, a person who takes care of his family. He entered into his family with those same type of things. And that consequence of his father not raising him, my dad didn't know how to raise us. Like he knew how not to abandon his children, but he didn't know like how to spend time with us, how to take interest in your child's interests, how to pour time into what they like, how to teach them lessons or how to tell a young boy that he's now a man or like transition him into that. There wasn't anything like my father was not instilled with anything to teach him how to be a father. That is a consequence of a sin that his father did. It's not a curse because I'm not going out cheating on my wife. Right. I'm not, I'm not going and doing the sins that uh, like, I'm not, I'm not, I am not accounted guilty of the sins that my grandfather made. And I can back this up biblically especially with like verses like Ezekiel 18.4, right? So Ezekiel 18, there's an Israeli proverb that's going around and God's like, who's saying this? Look, uh, let me clarify. This is what it says in Ezekiel 18.4. Behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the father as well as the soul of the son. The soul who sins shall die, which is a clarification of the the one that commits the sin is responsible for the payment of the debt of that sin. It is not passed down for you to pay that debt. We see that all over the Bible. For the wages of sin is death, right? In Romans, we see that written out that you earn it. It is your guilt not to be passed down to the next. Now, we do experience the consequences of sins of those in our lives. Many children all over the world experience the consequences of the sin of their parents. And there are no faults of it. It does not mean that God is counting them guilty because of their parents' sin. They have their own sin to deal with. So I, I don't, I, I specifically see like where it does talk about it, right? Like passed down to the fourth generation. But if nothing else, we see more often in the Bible that if God had ever established that, he killed that and he goes, nope. You who did it are going to be the one who pays for it. Uh, like that is the person who was responsible for the sin debt, not passed on to the children and to the children's children. Now, a difficult thing with like what we're seeing, like the death of loss that's happening in the family, like once it, it happens, once it's a tragedy, it happens twice, man. That's rough too. But when you can see a pattern of it and you start ascribing it to evil and ascribing it to, wait, is something wrong with me? Have I committed such terrible sin that the Lord is just cursing my entire family for this? Well, there is nothing in this world that you could do that salvation and faith in Christ couldn't overcome. And I think that's the point that that heals is really hitting on is that Christ is our hope and overcomes all curses, all sin. 
all evil, all death, to make us new and alive in him. And I'm, I want to reiterate what Heal said, like that is our hope, not to hold on to a curse, but to hold on to the hope. So if you feel like you're having, like if you honestly, if you feel like you're like a victim of a generational curse, like know that Christ sets us free from everything in our faith in it. And that's the hope that we hold on to. Yeah. 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 Amen. Anything uh, else before heals before we make that transition? Um, this one's kind of off topic. Uh, so we'll, we'll come back to it because Jacob just left to go get food anyway. So we'll come back to that question. Uh, I'll just say it's it a perfect time to answer his question or not. Yeah. yeah right when he left. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, do you want me to ask the question? I will. I mean, no, no, we'll, we'll wait for it. Okay. We'll wait for it. Let, let's go All on. Right. So now until our, really our question too, let, let's talk about what are some limitations that God has. Does he have anything that he can't do? What can God do? What cannot do? What are some things that pop up into your minds when you're thinking God can't do blank? Do some, Give me a couple that pop up to your mind and explain them for us. Because the second that you say God can't, people are going to be like, wait a second, he's God. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And yeah, that's the whole thing because people will, and that's why we have to think through these things. Because if you just say, well, God is omnipotent, he can do anything. Well, like I said at the beginning, what does that mean? What do you mean that he can do anything? Just saying that he is all-powerful is not the same thing as saying that there's nothing God can't do, because there are things that God can't do. And Scripture lays a lot of those out for us. So I won't go through all of them, but uh, I'll list a few. Um, And there's a list. (laughs) Uh, For one, uh, he can't deny himself. Uh, It says in 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, If we are faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God cannot sin. Um, here's another one in James, one that that I love and come back to all the time. Uh, it says, let no one say whenever he's tempted that I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So God is not tempted by evil. God does not tempt people with evil. Um, so it says we shouldn't say that. Um, uh, Psalm 145, 17 says that the Lord is righteous in all of his ways. Righteousness is just a picture of being right, doing right. Um, God is righteous in all of his ways. Uh, there may be things that we don't see, like we don't understand why God does certain things that he does. But just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Uh, God is righteous in all of his ways. His, the, his actions are perfect and pure and good. And one day we'll see how it all works out and fits in the puzzle. But, uh, for right now, there may be times where we're like, God, how could you let this happen? This, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't seem fair. This seems unjust. Um, but we know that the judge of all the earth will do right. And the Lord is righteous in all of his ways. Um, the one thing I would say uh, it like the best way I can think of to uh, kind of define this idea of a limitation on God's power is that God's power uh, is limited by one thing, and that's his very nature. God's power is limited by his nature. 
He cannot go against his nature. He cannot, like it says in 2 Timothy, deny himself. God can do anything in accordance with his nature, and he can't do anything contrary to his nature. So the only limitation on his power is his nature. And then you just go through the list of, well, what things are in his nature, what things are against his nature. And yep. it's cool because there are many other uh, specific things laid out in Scripture. But I don't want to say Heels. I'm all. No, no, you're good. Heels. When, when you think about the things that God can't do, and do you align that with obviously the list of things that falls within his nature? What are some of the things that come to your mind immediately or, 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 or like – like most fervently come to your mind. Yeah. So things like God can't do, uh, you know, and in, uh, yeah, like numbers says, you know, God cannot lie. Um, it, it says what well, I pulled up at first Samuel says that, uh, he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. And so God cannot lie. He cannot change his mind. Um, he, he can't, you know, break a promise. Um, um, you know, God, God is holy. Um, he can't not be holy, right? Like um, all these things that like are are the character of, of God. Like those are the things. Uh, those uh, I let's see, you already jumped in that question. Um, yeah. So uh, and then in where is it in Hebrews? It says, you know, uh, but without faith is impossible to please Him. So God cannot be pleased with like without faith. Um, just like things like that. I think the the lie or or change is the ones that come most firmly to my mind, though. Yeah, agree, agree. So uh, he, here's a couple of things that are really interesting when I think of what God cannot mm -hmm. do. Uh, God cannot abandon you. Hebrews thirteen five says this specifically, which is actually a quote from Deuteronomy thirty one six. Hebrews five says, "Keep your lives free from love of money, uh, and be content with what you have, because God has said, uh, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you.'" Yeah. Uh, so uh, God made made a declaration of fact of His position, so He cannot forsake you. I love that one. Uh, another thing that comes to my mind when I think about the uh, things that God can't do, God can't show favoritism. Romans 2.11 says that he's got no favorites. You're all loved equally. I'm sorry for all you younger siblings that think you're the favorite in your family, but your parents don't love you like God loves you. You're all equally <laughs> loved in his arms. Uh, just like uh, uh, just like Deuston said, obviously he can't go against his character, which is really interesting. Like He is just, righteous, and perfect. And in that just right in that justiceness, righteousness, and per, a perfection, he cannot be associated with anything that isn't those things. Which, when you get into that more deeply, then you see the reasoning for uh, like such a harsh conviction of death when sin is committed. Like anything that is not God, God cannot be associated with it. So if he cannot be associated with it, then he is going to destroy it because that matches his character of justice and righteousness. And then you're like, well, okay, so he can't be part of it. So he's going to destroy it. And then all of us are like, woe is us. God's going to destroy us. And then he comes in with the law. He says, look, I give you a little bit of hope. And then he comes back, you know, with Jesus. He goes, Hey, I'll give you a lot of hope. And I actually give you a pathway. Now you can actually hang out with me and we can be, Hang out with me is it's way too light of a term. He's like, now you actually get to have a relationship with me and know me, and I get to know you. And even though you sin, you can have a relationship with me because Jesus' blood covers us. Like those are the things that like are crazy. When I think about 
God can't go against his own character. And then I think about the fact that he cannot associate himself with that, which is evil, but he can only destroy it. It makes it a little terrifying. Like that's just yep. me, right? And then it mm -hmm. makes me like deeper into, oh, thank God for Jesus. Wait, I'm thanking <laughs> Jesus for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. So like those are the things when I think of what God can't do that are astonishing. I, I love the he he will he cannot forsake us. I love yeah. that he doesn't have favorites. Uh even though we like to think and look out on Christian Twitter and Christian Instagram, wow, God must really love them. He blesses them so mm -hmm. much. No, he loves us all equally. Uh yeah. those are some of my favorite mm -hmm. things to think about when I'm thinking about the limitations of God. Now, gentlemen. Oh no. Have you seen this beard? I feel like God loves me the best. It's just, just me. Look, I think you're I think you're about two inches and a flat top wide brim hat from becoming an Amish guy. You know, all right, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, you know, they got some good food though. So they do. I watched a video of I this yesterday. I watched a video of them doing a barn construction in like eight hours, oh, man. and there were like ninety people. And I was like, "Can we have That's them so work on our roadways? Like right? if Amish people wow. did road work, it would be three hours. Yeah, it'd yeah. be great, and it'd be perfect. Like they don't mm -hmm. cut corners or anything. It's great." Lokrin said that you can't be an Amish person. You have too much technology. I That's fair. That. <laughs> that is fair, too. My degree is now, in IT. I'm pretty sure they're against that. I'm really excited where I'm going to end conversation tonight uh, because we've talked about our theology of God, things that God can't do, how he's all-powerful. He's all places at all times, and he knows all things. So I'm really excited for our very last part of the evening but before we get there what are the questions this chat thrown our way what can we uh answer poorly and hope that god interprets divinely uh yeah absolutely so i have one that abel has asked that i want to touch on just a little bit today but i really want him to submit it for a full show um at some point. Uh, but I, I do know that probably won't come around until next season so that's why i want to touch on it a little bit today uh okay so J cubed asked earlier, this was the question that, that I was going to mention, uh, but I, I don't know if he's back. So let's jump into Lokara's and we'll come back. If J cubed comes back in chat, Lokara asked uh, to play devil's advocate. Uh, if the Bible says that God cannot be tempted, but Jesus was clearly tempted in scripture. Does that mean that Jesus was not God? Uh, Ferris, I'll go ahead and let you tackle that one. Um, so the devil did the tempting, but the result of temptation had no effect on Jesus. So Jesus wasn't tempted then no effort of the devil could have actually affected jesus so the devil's work was to try to tempt jesus jesus did not respond so like he could not be tempted it was almost a work in futility right right like every time right every, yeah. every time every time the devil comes up he's like hey hey you're hungry bro you want to turn these into some pita chips right some bread Right, right. Jesus, like, man doesn't live by bread alone. Right, he just comes out of yeah. the scripture, not because he's like, um, oh, he, like, Jesus isn't saying that verse to overcome temptation. He's reminding the devil that he's an idiot. Why would you try to tempt me? <laughs> yep. Right, right. The devil takes Jesus onto the temple mountain. It's like, bro, throw yourself off. Watch all these angels descend. He's like, why would I test God, bro? I'm, have you read the Bible? I wrote the Bible and I handed <laughs> it to you. Can you read it? Do you know how to read Lucifer? Like Jesus is like, he's just sitting up there just like, hey, 
can you please put me back in the desert? You're wasting your time. Okay, I've got bigger things to do. I've got an appointment in three years on a hill to save the world, and you can't interrupt that. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what <laughs> that's what Jesus is doing. Every every response Jesus has to the devil in those moments where the devil is trying to tempt him is not an, like uh, I'm using this verse as my time to overcome temptation. It's literally mm-hmm. a declaration of his position over the devil. You have no power here. Bingo. I got nothing to add. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I love the way you said it too. He's it's not that he yeah. was actually kind of considering it or not. He was reminding yeah. the devil that he's an idiot. <laughs> That's exactly it. Exactly. All right. Great answer. Uh now I do want to bring up Abel's. Um I, I'm I'm thinking he's probably okay with me sharing a little bit of his story. Um, and so I don't know if you guys know Abel's story, but he's been hanging out over in, in my stream for a while now. Um, and we've got to have some uh, discord call and stuff about it, uh, which we're going to be doing. He's going to be coming on the YouTube channel here soon talking about it. Uh, but he spent, um, four years, uh, full transition, um, into, uh, to, into a female. So he's biological male transition to female. Uh, no, you're good, Abel. Um, and he spent four years living that way. Um, and he went, um, he went, you know, full transition or, or partial transition. I, I don't Abel can share that part, but he spent that time four years. Um, and the way he asked the question is I spent four years living in that life and I was lost most, if not the entire time. Um, and since then he has detransitioned and he is okay. Not full, still male da- downstairs uh, in case you're wondering, but yes, that, that was what I was hinting at. Um, so he said that he spent that entire time feeling lost um, and now he is detransitioned back to his his you know God given gender. Uh, he is biologically male, and he's back there. Uh, he's but he says he's still feeling lost, um, even though uh, I've been gone from that lifestyle for five months. Um, so he's been gone for five months. So I'm going to ask Deuce to put on his pastor hat and and how how would you speak to Abel in this scenario we've kind of laid out? Yeah, just uh, kind of the fact that he's after this transition still feeling lost and, yeah. and not real yeah. sure of where he's at with God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so Abel, here's what I would say. I've been in pastoral ministry for 13 years. I've, I've had many people who have, uh, dealt with these kind of things before and transitioned and non-transitioned. And we actually had an entire episode on transgenderism last season, I think, mm-hmm. um, if I remember right. We I know even, when... we even, we even got it struck on YouTube because it was, did we really? Crazy. Oh, mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> Praise God. Um, <laughs> I believe that means we made it, boys. <clears throat> I guess so. Um, but so, yeah, on the idea of uh, still kind of feeling lost and, well, where am I at now? And I've I've spent four years of my life in, in that kind of mindset, but now I'm coming back to how God created me. And um, so who am I? How do I... How do I stand before God? How does God see me? Well, the coolest thing is, um, and I don't know you, Abel, so I don't, I don't know where you stand with God. I don't know your relationship with God. But um, uh, the the verse that comes to mind for me is uh, actually out of Second Peter uh, three nine. Uh, it's the verse that says, "But you are a, a chosen race." Uh, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that idea of being called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now that 
is not just specific to your situation, that's specific to all of our situations. Whenever we come to Christ, we are called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then we proclaim the excellencies of the one that did it, the one who saved us, the one who brought us out. Um, so, like I said, I don't know where you're at with God. I don't know if if um, you've repented, put your faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross is, is your hope and salvation. If not, I pray that you do. Um, but if so, then here's what I would say to you as a brother in Christ, um, that it's very easy for us to get hung up on our past because, like I said earlier, we have a very real enemy who really hates you and really hates me, and really hates all of us, and wants to take you down with him, because he knows where he's going, and he's going to do everything he can to do that. And one of his greatest tactics and tools is condemnation. See, the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, the enemy likes to remind us of what we've done, where we've been, the things we've said, the actions we've done, the thoughts we've thought, all those kind of things. He loves to remind us of those things. But condemnation is an attack of the enemy. Conviction is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That's that work where our heart breaks over our sin and we come running to God for mercy and repentance. We say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I hate this sin. Forgive me of this sin. And, um, uh, it, through the power of the Holy Spirit, day by day, through that process of sanctification, we we get a little better each day. God continues to work on us, um, and we're molded into the image of Christ. We're never going to be perfect this side of eternity, but if you've been walking with Christ for a while, you should look more like Jesus today than you did last week, and then you did a year ago, and then you did 10 years ago, or whatever, because we're always growing in our relationship with God. So if you're in Christ, Abel, rest in that truth, that God sees you as you are. He's called you out of that darkness into his marvelous light. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and I believe he's going to do awesome things with you. It may even be that your story uh, is able to impact others and and help other people who are going through the same kind of things you've walked through. Um, so be open to what he'll uh, use you for in that. Um but know that if you're in Christ, tell the devil to shut up, stop reminding you of all these things, remind him what he's got coming, and rest in your relationship, your position with Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's what does it all. It's not based on anything else. It's because of what he did. Come on. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, thank thank you for that answering that. Uh, and and he did just say, uh, I do not believe personally I can repent or forgive myself until I can atone for my sins. Now, uh, Abel mentioned above that he was born Roman Catholic and raised Catholic, and I'm not too familiar with with uh, the the differences between Catholic and uh, and Christian. Um, but I, I will say this: just talking uh, about how you can't, you don't feel like you can repent or, or forgive yourself until you can atone for your sins. Uh, atonement doesn't come from us. Uh, honestly, we are unable to atone for our own sins. Like I, if, if I, my salvation was left to me, I would fail miserably uh, every single day. Um, your sins have been atoned for by the finished work of Christ on, on the cross. When Jesus laid down his life and he died, he gave up his life so that you could be saved. He atoned for your sins. All you've got to do now is repent 
and, and say, Jesus, I'm leaving that life behind me and I'm following you. I, I'm giving you my all. I may not be perfect, but I'm giving you my all and I'm going to do the best that I can. And he is just and faithful to forgive you, regardless of your past, regardless of where you've been, what you faced or, or what you're going through at this very moment or even how you feel at this time. Jesus has already paid the price and he laid down his life so that you could be saved. If you repent, turn and follow him, then you will be saved. Then you will be forgiven. Um, and, and yeah, so just like, like Deucin said, lean on him, um, and, and trust in him. Yeah. And, and Abel, you know, I'm always here to talk if you want to, buddy. Man, something on that. Yes. A thousand percent. I put every preach amen I could on that. <laughs> um, but also on that, that verse where it says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And then it says, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like, especially in feeling that way, like uh, I, I have to make up for what I've done. I have to atone for my sin. Jesus already did that. And whenever we confess our sins, he's not only faithful and just to forgive us, which he does, but he also cleanses you yeah. of all unrighteousness. Man, that's mm -hmm. amazing. Amazing. Yes, absolutely. Amen. Grace is good. A amen. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The, the only thing I would add to anything y'all said is Romans 10, 9. Uh, to think that God would save you, Romans 10, 9 clears that up for you, Abel. It says that if you mm -hmm. confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a submission to Jesus that he is God uh, and that you're going to follow him. It's not a preparation for you to get perfect and then he'll save you. He says, I'm going to take you in your mess and love you through you through it. You love you in it, through it, and then past it. Uh, and that's that's the beauty of the gospel. One little thing I would encourage you to do uh, in my years of student ministry, I dealt with uh, lots of students dealing with uh, gender identity issues and a great, great resource that I love. If you all have never read this book, you really should. It's called Gay Girl, Good God. Uh, it's written by Jackie. What's her name? Jackie Perry Hill. Hold on. Yeah, Jackie uh, Perry Hill. Jackie Jackie Hill Perry. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, gay girl, good gum. It's an amazing book that is really not about a gay girl and her journey. It is. It's connected to that, but it's really about God and who He is and who we are in light of who He is. And it's written beautifully. Jackie's a poet, and she writes things. I mean, just. I mean, awesome. If you've never read that book, e even if you're not asking any questions about this, you should read it. Uh, but it talks about original sin in there. It talks about uh, who, like her transition of like how God came after her and rescued her out of uh, uh, a, a sinful ideology. She delve, dove into presenting more masculine, into homosexuality, and then God rescued her, not in a church pew, but like in her own bedroom. And it tells that story. And you should totally, like here, if you, here, I got the link here. If anybody wants to check this book out, go check it out. Um, gay girl, good God, always, always would give it to people because when you're talking about like not feeling settled or not knowing who you are, it deals with our identity, just like Deucin said. Um, and we got to know who God is to know who we are. And sometimes that can like it can click for people, and sometimes it takes a long time to get there. But you know, re-upping on what Peel said, like. It's not, a, or and what Deuce said, it's not. It's not atoning for yourself. God's ready for you. Like He, he doesn't mm -hmm. need you to fix yourself before He loves you. He's ready to show you how much He loves you right now. Yeah, right now. Uh, Deuce, any other any other questions? 
I don't know. From I'm Chicks not the Park. gatekeeper. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm <the gatekeeper. laughs> sorry, I was downloading Gay Girl Good God on Audible. Uh, anyway, so it's there too, by the way. But uh, no, that was the last question I had. Actually, no, J-Cubed is back, so we will tackle his. Um, okay. and, and his was going Wait, back to... We, we answered his, right? And we came to a very succinct answer, and he doesn't need to... Yeah, it was a great answer. Probably the best answer we've ever had uh, to yeah, any exactly. question ever given. Oh, too bad you weren't here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, okay, so his his question is in regards to the the question that this whole talk this whole guys y'all y'all really letting me do the soapbox. I cannot talk today. Oh yeah, Words. his question is in regards to the question that the whole show is about. Is the you know the question can God create a rock so big he can't lift it right? Um, and he asks, why do you think pop atheists uh, like to try to zing these with questions like this? Um, and he says, so for example, many new atheists seem to throw out this question as a defense mechanism. Uh, you know, the question being, can God create a rock that he can't, could not lift or something like that, right? Um, well, wh which, who do you want? Who wants to take it? I'll do it because they All haven't right. even thought about the question, <laughs> and they've heard it from some buzzword, yeah. and they're like, "I'll get them on this." Yeah, <laughs> I, I was gonna say that. Like they've heard. On one of their their podcasts or YouTube videos or something like, uh, but I'm not going to say this. Like like Christian apologists have the same things. Like we have our little zings that we try to throw out yeah. there. Uh, oh, yeah. Everyone looks for that that quick one shot. You know that, that you don't have to have a debate. You got this question that's going to defeat everyone, and that's just it doesn't happen on either side. If you ever listen to a Christian debate, if you ever listen to a Christian apologist, you're like, oh dude, he's brilliant. And then you listen to a debate, and you're like, oh wait, that dude kind of makes sense too. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's a good rebuttal. And at the end, you don't know what you think anymore. Like you just you you got to get like confident in your own beliefs. I don't. I really don't encourage like young Christians to watch debates. By the way, uh, that's a slippery slope because people can be very convincing even when they're wrong. Okay, yeah. you heard it here. Doctor Heels <laughs> said, "Don't watch presidential debates." And yeah, actually, I encourage wrong. everyone not to watch those, especially the last few years. It's good entertainment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if you like no real answers to any of your actual questions, they're fantastic. <laughs> You know, that's, uh, it, it, that's just me. It, in more apologetic conversations, what I ha like to have is a lot of people who are trying to disprove Christianity are trying to uh, position themselves on a moral high ground while completely invalidating the possibility of my position at, of having any validity. So when you enter into a genuine debate, there's a proposition that your argument could be true or my argument could be true. If right. it's immediately invalidated, then what's most what's happening most often <coughs> is uh, the like one person or the other person is more often taking shots to demean the other to make them look less intelligent rather than actually having a conversation with them, an intellectual, mutual, respectful conversation to parse out subjects upon uh, agreed upon terms. So. Not that I like all this person's videos, okay? And I'm not propagating or saying go watch it. But there's one person on YouTube who does a lot of like videos over controversial subjects. I'm not even going to say it. But what I do like that he does in these videos whenever he's having debates with one uh, with other people is that he defines terms so that they can both talk about the same thing. Uh, so many times whenever people are debating you, especially atheists trying to do the gotcha moment on – Christians, they already have a set terms and they're not even going to let you define terms equally and then stand upon equal ground to talk about it. They're just going to be demeaning and destructive. And 
our job is not to let that get us flustered, but to be able to be patient, understanding, and be able to find a pathway through those attacks to be able to find a conversation that they are willing to actually step on and get past all those straw man arguments. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Diligence. Diligence to persevere through nonsense. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. That, yeah, that was a good question for us to hit real quick. Um, now, Zero did ask, uh, just so you want to know if we all know each other in real life or if we just know each other via Twitch and, and Discord. And it's, uh, for the most part, Twitch and Discord. I don't know any of you guys in real life. Yeah. Twitch, I mean, Twitch and Discord. Uh, all of our plans to meet up were derailed very hard in 2020. Yeah. Uh, we're still waiting for until, until SquirrelCon. Yep. Yeah, yeah we just fun. had SquirrelCon uh, here in Texas, and uh, quite a few of our GMA members were able to meet up there. So now they actually know each other in real life. Uh, yeah. Did you yeah, all social distance Tennessee meet and up. just do Get y'all down fives? here. Did you just oh, do no. spirit fives? Like, okay, okay. Full no, on, no. We, full on oh, side hugs. We're in Texas. You know, we were, hey, hugging the whole deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just but, saying, hey, I mean, I've got to hold a Tennessee chat, meet up here soon. Yeah. <laughs> Leave room for Jesus. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Every I time you go on a date, is... have Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John with you, okay? <laughs> oh man. Oh, love it. So we're all you all right, all right. <laughs> Let's uh let, let's get let's go to my last question. Now we've talked about this. Sure. Can God create a rock so big that he can't lift it? We've actually we've we've expressed and revealed some of the limitations that God has, which is all God can't go against this character. Uh but here's an interesting thing, guys. We have an admittance from Jesus in Matthew about something that he says he is limited at. And I want to bring this to your attention. In Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus is just talking about the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about the abomination of desolation. Uh, he's, he's talking about the day and the hour that the return is coming, right? Like the, these people who Jesus is talking to are waiting for like this revolution. And Jesus is literally talking about coming back. Matthew 24, 36 says this. This, this is Jesus' words. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And Jesus is being questioned about the, the, the day and the hour that that last day will happen. And Jesus says, I don't know. So, gentlemen... The reason I like this question for you all is because we already talk about omniscience, knowing everything. So is Jesus God or not God here? Like how can how can God know everything, but all of a sudden Jesus says, I don't know, only the Father knows. But if Jesus is part of the Trinity, don't they all know? Do they like like what happens? Like I don't I don't get it. Can anybody please explain this to me? Uh heels. Good luck. <laughs> I knew you were going to give that to me, <laughs> but I don't know. No, hey, no, I don't no, have an fine. intelligible answer, so I, I would love to hear what Deuston has to say. I'm just going to hand this baton off and let him run for his life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's what I would say. So this is a question that's been debated for uh, literally thousands of years now, um, and we're not going to be the ones who are going to come up with the concrete answer, but... Um, here are my thoughts on it. So earlier we alluded to the Philippians 2 passage, that, that kenosis idea, that emptying himself idea. Um, we have to remember uh, that Christ incarnate 
means that he was fully God, fully man, having that nature and that nature, having the nature of man, having the nature of God. Um, the Son, as a part of the Godhead, has existed since eternity past and will always exist, um, knowing all things, being all-powerful. But there was a very unique moment in the timeline of eternity where God entered into human flesh to be born as a baby, born of a virgin, to live a sinless life. We know all the things that he did and what he ultimately ended up doing on the cross and, and all that. But in this moment, um, he says that of that day, no one knows, not the angels, not even the son, re referring to himself, but only the father. Now, he was fully God and fully man, but he was here uh, emptying himself in the sense of um, not uh, thinking of equality of with God, a thing to be grasped. So I believe that he was um, limiting himself in that sense, keeping that piece of knowledge from himself. Um, that doesn't mean that he didn't know that before. He came to be born or after, I believe that he does and did and knows right now. But in that moment, I believe that he did not. Um, I don't think he was lying. He's not lying. But um, I'd say in that moment, he, as fully God and fully man, kept that piece of information hidden from himself uh, so that he did not know. But now I think he does. Those are my thoughts. I, I go more with with you, especially when it comes to Philippians, where it talks about how Christ emptied himself. It was a voluntary choice to what's empty. What, what's interesting is uh, when it says he emptied himself, I don't think it was removed. I think it was subdued by choice. Yeah. Like, right. Because we see we see like when, like when we talk about the transfiguration, right, like some people have presented the transfiguration as God's like full, like the expression of his fullness of his deity in human form while on top of the mountain. And like, right, he's shining and everybody can't see and they're blind and, you know, dead bros come and hang out with him and they're floating in the air. Uh, I like how I uh, just like paraphrase gigantic, really important Bible parts into just weird <laughs> verses. Uh, uh, I shouldn't do that. But Right, so there, there's arguments that the transfiguration was the fullness of his deity in human form, uh, and the rest of it is his 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 uh, choice of subduing the expression of his deity so that he could live among us and experience life among us. And I think I think I think you're 100 right. Like this was a choice of God, a choice of Jesus, in the part while he was contained in human form on this earth. To be able to say that like right it's even it's because it, it's even when you take this to like the garden of gethsemane where jesus is like please remove this cup from me but not mine will be done but yours right it's not like people have asked well like why didn't jesus just do it himself right it's a submission mm -hmm. to the father this is a submission to the authority of the father uh as the judge uh as the one that righteousness is held up to right like it's part of the trinity which if we want to get into trinitarian doctrine we're going to be here till tomorrow. Uh, but I do. I, I love the idea that if if God is all powerful, then he can limit the expression of his power in any way that he wants without subtracting from his deity. Yeah. Right. Because it's not that 
It's not that he can't know. He already knows. The Father knows. Jesus is part of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So obviously he knows. And the expression of that verse doesn't disqualify Jesus as God in any way, since we see specifically written Philippians 2 that he emptied himself uh, of divinity to not be a thing grass. Like it was a choice. It was it was an active choice that Jesus made when he entered into this world, which is interesting to think that a baby can make that choice. Also, random question, was Jesus a baby in heaven and then grew up on earth and he went back to heaven as a man? Or was he a man that became a baby and then returned as a man? These are questions that I have often thought about that are random and ridiculous that aren't in the Bible. Okay, guys, somebody help me. Well, I'll just say that if all things were created through him and they were created by a baby, that that's very impressive. That's I mean, impressive. but God, God is omnipotent. He could do that. <laughs> you know, uh, Fuzz tagged me, so I feel like I should ask this. Uh, he says, so are they saying God isn't omniscient since Jesus's divine nature was lacking something God the Father's divine nature knew? Mm. No. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's a good point of clarity to bring up. I would say that Jesus, in like we were saying, that he's fully God, fully man, has those dual natures, uh, that his... His divine nature, being God, yes, knows, but he is also fully man. And I believe that that man, that human nature side, did not know. Um, and that was one of those things. He's both at the same time, so it's like that that piece of the divine nature there kind of blocked off from himself. Um, and I, I don't know how all that it, works, but it's an important point of clarity. So I think it's important to be able to clarify the divine and human, but in that verse specifically, Jesus doesn't parse out his divinity or humanity. It's clarity. He says, nor the son, but only the father. There's a, there is a, there is a clear definition of that who, who maintains and holds that power within the Trinity, which is most interesting. I think that's the most interesting part. Like if Jesus had just said, I don't know, okay, Mm -hmm. then we could be like, yeah, okay, the divine and the human. But when Jesus himself makes the clarity of that person, that entity within the Trinity that maintains that knowledge, he says only the Father. And those are Jesus' words, which can't be argued, which is just makes this wonderfully more confusing. You're welcome, (laughs) chat, and do sin and heal. This is not to throw off anybody's. Yeah, (laughs) super clear on the subject. Yeah, yeah. But this is this is one of those this is something when like we're talking about the limitations of God. Like, right? This is a this just like you said, Deuce, and this is something that has mm-hmm. debated, been debated for a long time. And yeah. still there's no like wonderful answer. Yeah. It's a it's a weird thing. I'll ask him on yeah. the other side of eternity. Right. I'll say, so how did that work? Do you just kind of like yeah. block off part of your brain, your human nature right. not know what what's the details? Give me the inner workings of how that worked. It's here's, here's my my favorite part of that section of that that Jesus says actually comes in verse 42. Jesus says, you know, the angels don't know, nor the son of man, only the father. And then he makes a story about Noah and the ark and they're floating in the water and they didn't know when the water was going to, you know, go down or anything. And then verse 42 says this, he says, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. 
Like mm. he's not saying that the, the purpose of the scripture is not to uh, to elevate his omniscience or arguments in thereof, but to say, hey, guys, I'm coming. You be ready. Like and when I come, that's it. Right. Who then yeah. verse 45, who then is the faithful and wife, ser- wise servant whom his master has set over uh, over his house to give them their food? Like he's saying, like, I'm coming. Are you going to be ready for me or are you going to be rushing and hurrying to try to throw something together? Yeah. You guys are welcome Very for good. ending uh, for for getting close to ending our episode on that wonderful question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a good one. That was. <laughs> That was, man. Chat. If, if you don't know, if you don't know anything from our conversations, we, the, we who are on screen and those who are not represented here today are not pretending to know everything. No. We are going to make, yeah. uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna make declarations about things we genuinely believe wholeheartedly. We're gonna agree on things. We're gonna disagree on things. And when we don't know, we're gonna say we don't know. And it is yeah. not you. There is no need to be afraid of saying you don't know. It is an opportunity for you to dig into the word to see what the Lord reveals to you, and He may reveal to you an answer, or He may keep. He may say, "Keep digging, right? Keep digging." Uh, and that is one of the wonderful parts I love about these men on screen because they are not afraid to say, "I don't know." If you mm-hmm. ever have a spiritual leader who says, "I have all the answers ready to listen <laughs> to me." Please visit Run. another church. Run. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> right? Yep. Like they should they should be able to know a lot. They should be able to mm-hmm. guide and teach and shepherd and disciple you. But if they've got all the answers, man, have them pick your lotto numbers. Okay. That's all I'm right. saying. Yeah, that's, that's something I, I actually I, I tell my students all the time, specifically about like apologetics and stuff too, is I'm like, guys, I don't know all the answers, but if you have a question, come sit with me. We'll walk through it together. Yeah, like we, we we both have access to Google. We'll find the answers. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if I, and if I can't find it, I'll find some obscure website that genuinely agrees with whatever position I make. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's the internet. Yeah. I can do that. It's a, yeah, I'll just I make can, a I, I'll make a Wikipedia article. Wikipedia right. is trustworthy. Yeah. Listen, if the politicians can do it, so can we. I don't see the problem. Wait, wait, got fuzz. Yes, you're right. The only person who has all of our answers is our wives. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Heels, before we throw it over to you for our soup box of the night, any other questions that have been lingering, longing, chat? If you have any questions about uh, tonight or or even like the other ones that we've had in chat that had nothing to do with uh, tonight's uh, question, but were awesome topics of conversation and just needed to be asked and addressed, please yeah. Ask them to Dr. Heels in chat right now. We'd love to be able to answer them for you before we finish this evening with uh, Dr. Heels' soup box. Heels, we have uh, anything do, else? Uh, at the moment, I do not. Now, I don't know if someone's typing out a super fantastic question at this very moment, uh, but currently I don't have anything. Yeah, um, I'm actually I'm shocked. Fuzz, I think you really behaved yourself tonight because it would have been very easy to ask certain questions about like the immutability of God and things like that. And I was like, I'm just waiting for that. And it never came, but I've got well, a couple verses now, up there where now, we could talk about that. But, you know, hey, well, uh, now you've opened the floodgates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's been a Valorant match. Okay, gotcha. 
Yeah, no, just the no, idea, because like the Bible says in a couple different places about how God cannot change. God does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever is Hebrews 13, 8. James 1, 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So based on those things, God doesn't change, can't change. Another thing that he cannot do. Um, how does that play into the actions of man, of history, when things happen? Uh, his, um, oh, I forget the theological or theological term on this one, but his uh, emotion, does he show emotion? Does he get upset? Does he uh, have remorse? Does he do these kind of things? Does he change his mind? There's a lot of like interesting questions that go along with that that could be their whole own show, but <laughs> a, a hundred shows. Yeah. A hundred shows. My but question I, I is, thought if God can't here. change, did he never change his tunic? Hmm. I hope so. I hope he did. Again, <laughs> gentlemen, when we talk, like y'all have no idea how random my mind is when I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Let's make this a ridiculous question and apply it holistically to the verse and take it out of context and see if we find anything new. This is the difficulty of my brain, guys. Yeah, my brain just doesn't stay focused on anything for more than two or three seconds at a time. This is why I came up with a question last week of can Christians get prenups? I was like, here's something no one ever asked. Let's go. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. That's a fun one. <laughs> here's, what, here's, here's what we got. Okay, I want to I want to throw this question in. Austin just threw it in last minute. I told you guys someone was writing this incredible, uh, thought provoking question for us to end on. Um, and Austin asked, as a Christian, what is the most difficult thing for you to comprehend and understand about hmm. God? And let's all of us just like take an answer at that, and then uh, we'll, yeah. we'll maybe move to the soup box. Good. So uh, we'll we'll oh. start uh, we'll start reducing what you got. Uh, it's it's probably it's a very simple thing but it's just my brain literally hurts every time i try to understand this and it's the eternality of god <laughs> that not only will god always be but that god has always been i can kind of like halfway wrap my brain around the point or the idea that okay if something has a starting point then it will just never cease to be it will always exist i can kind of get that that one literally as a kid I was like eight years old and like curling up in my bed in the fetal position crying because I didn't want to live forever in heaven one day. I was like, it can't go on because what about then after that and after that? And I was like in this philosophical like conundrum and like traumatized by the idea of eternity for myself, much childhoods. less. Yeah, <laughs> I like I remember that very vividly and it was like multiple nights I was like God just in a billion years can we just agree you just like disintegrate me and I'm gone forever or something I, don't, I can't deal with this I can't deal with this idea but the idea that God also has always existed is is so hard to think because you, you think well what was he doing before he created all things and before God said let there be light what was he doing just fellowshipping with the Godhead. Well, what they do? Play chess? I mean, what what did he do? You know, um, it, it it's one of those things we're never really going to understand. I, that's a, that's something I don't even think we're going to understand on the other side of eternity. Is just 
how how can this be that it's a it's a simple idea that is is melted my brain for 30 something years the the concept of time and that nature is incredibly confusing Um, yeah all right right, uh, ferris what, what you got the thing that's hardest for me to understand is oh why are you gonna bring this up for me now i gotta think about it um <laughs> it is the existence of common grace okay let me clarify oh. mm-hmm. the, the fact that god is righteous holy perfect and cannot exist where sin exists but yet we are born into sin so our very existence is repugnant to jesus or to god because we are sinful creatures the fact that we do not immediately die upon birth is mind-blowing. But furthermore, is that the second that Adam and Eve brought sin into the world and corrupted the world, that God did not immediately crush everything, but he allows good to happen to the just and the unjust. Mm-hmm. He allows like those who will never believe in him to experience laughter and love, hopefully from another person, to experience some joy, all things which point to God that they'll never attribute to God. And God puts up with it. Like it blows my mind that he just doesn't immediately crush it, right? And then I have to think about going, but why? Like, why has it been so long? Like, what is he waiting for? Like, 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 but, and then that gets scarier for me, not really scarier, but it gets like even more broad for me when I'm thinking about like how vast God's righteousness is and then his just justness is and then his requirement for judgment mm-hmm. is so like like right like I, I'm thinking like I'm a parent like the longer my kid is doing something I told him not to do it and it's terrible like I get angrier the longer it happens right right and yeah. i'm like right and i'm just waiting for him i'm just i'm just waiting right like oh just one more time son i'm getting the battle and then oh mm-hmm. you will meet jesus son, right like <laughs> like right like that builds up in me and then i'm just th- sitting here thinking like but common grace god allows us to exist at all yeah and mm-hmm. For some of us, for some people that will never know him, he allows them to exist all the way to death and then deals with them. Then some of us, he allows us to exist until faith and then will still deal with us during death. But the fact that we get to exist at all while we are born in sin, which is repugnant to God, blows my mind. I don't get it. Yeah. Man, I want to say something on that because that's a great one. And I kind Mm -hmm. of, in a little way, hit on that in my sermon this morning. Um, I was actually talking about the parable of the ten minas, but uh, the the scripture in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, talking about the coming of the Lord, but it says in verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you. He's patient toward us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so I was talking about how we, you know, a lot of times we despise that delay that where are you, Jesus? Come on, just let's get the, you know, the show on the road. Um, but we shouldn't despise the delay. The delay is an act of mercy um, because, yeah, yeah, we we don't <laughs> deserve more than a second of life uh, because we are born in sin with a sinful nature. But because he is patient with us, which just shows like with all the things you were emphasizing, like how, you know, he can't be associated with anything like that and sin and all that, which I think just shows that much more how big his grace is. 
which is infinitely uh, as difficult to understand <laughs> how he could put up with us and, and love us and forgive us and don't deserve it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, now, uh, all right, I'll throw mine out there. And mine is sort of the same as Jacob's. Mm. Uh, but I, I do want to say, like, I'm realizing uh, how different our childhoods were. Um, <laughs> and I, I want to say that's honestly just because of, of where I was. Because I remember laying in bed um, fearing death. Um, mm. And it was because I didn't think there was anything after death. Like, mm. I, I, I didn't grow up, as many of you know, I didn't grow up a believer. I didn't uh, really believe. I grew up knowing about Christ. I didn't believe, grow up believing in Christ. Um, and so I remember as a kid fearing death so much uh, because I didn't, I, I, I couldn't imagine the thought of nothingness. Um, I couldn't imagine the mm. thought of, you know, this it being the end. And so I think my fear was a little bit different. Um, and I mean, I remember that lasting up into adulthood. Um, and, and so that kind of goes into my answer. Um, and JQ put it perfectly is like the, the, the hardest thing for him to understand is how God could love a wretch like me. Um, and that's, that's absolutely the same for me, um, is it's insane for me to think about God and God's love, um, Mm. that he loved people who, who consistently and consciously broke his law that he loved people. Like when I'm thinking about Jesus, coming and living like a, a perfect sinless life and, and the ver- his very creation, the people that he loved, that he was literally shedding his blood for are the ones who drove the nails through his hands and through his feet, who mm-hmm. spat on him, who punched him, who hit him, who struck him, who, who called him names. And yet he says, father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Like that is so difficult for me to understand that, that the God who is all powerful, that could call down, you know, armies of angels to save him, that in a moment he could have, you know, called down five, fireballs from heaven, but instead he, he allowed his love to take place. Um, and that for me is, is insane. And, and I think just grace and the love of God is incredible. And that's what yeah. the hardest thing for me to understand is I know who I was when Jesus came to me, right? I, I know who I was when Jesus called me. I know who I was when Jesus saved me and changed my life forever. Like, and, and the fact that he could still love someone like me is incredible. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> You'll move me to worship over here. <laughs> that is, oh man, God is so good. Amen. Well, uh, guys, thank you for joining me in tonight's conversation chat. Before we finish, we're going to throw it over to Dr. Helix for our soup box at the night. Uh, and our soup boxes have changed a little bit from what they have been. I think they'll be a little bit more succinct, maybe a little bit shorter, but hopefully being able to kind of wrap up an idea for you all so we can take it home and discuss it. If you've had any questions, if we didn't get to your question, make sure you at us on Twitter at GMA Ministries or shoot us a, a message in any in, in the Discord anywhere. We'd love to talk to you guys. But uh, Dr. Heels, let's throw it over to you for our soup yeah. box there. All right. I will do my best. Literally, if you ask me my, my biggest flaw in life, and it's my memory. And so that is literally what I'm supposed to do right now is remember what we talked about. Uh, so we started off with the uh with the sub with uh the, the topic which is can god create a rock so big he can't lift it so basically we're, we're questioning god's power um right if god cannot create a rock so big he can't lift then he is not all powerful right or if he can create a rock so big he can't lift then again he's not all powerful because he can't lift it and so this is the conundrum um that we are put in um and and i believe that it was pastor Deucen who said just because god is all powerful doesn't mean god can do everything um, and this in and of itself is sort of a, a strange statement we don't really think about because we think that God can do literally everything. 
However, God's power is limited by his nature, right? So there's things that God can't do. God can't lie. He can't change his mind. He can't deny himself. Um, and as Ferris kind of put it, and I, and I kind of love this one, so I want to jump into it for just a second. God also cannot stop loving you. Uh, it says in scripture that God cannot stop loving you. Um, so there are things absolutely that God can't do. And with that said, uh, that was our subject today um, is, is talking about the, the omnipotence of God, which is talking about God's power. Um, in it, we talked about the other omnis, the om- omnipotent meaning God is all powerful, omniscient meaning God knows everything, um, and omnipresent meaning God is everywhere at all times. And this is what makes God God um, is is the way that he exists, that he exists in all things, through all things, that he knows all things at all times. Um, and so we really covered this. Um, but I want to stop for just a moment. And because they gave me a soapbox and they gave me like a few minutes here to just talk to you guys. And so I want to go back to that phrase uh, where Ferris brought up that God cannot stop loving you. And I told you guys a little bit of my story just a minute ago. So we'll let that tie in. Um, I remember being an absolute broken mess who had no purpose, who had hardly any emotions and literally walking through the, the motions of life without any true direction. And, and if I had known this at such a younger age, I wonder how it would have changed me. Um, but it's so incredible to see what God did in me uh, and did through me, uh, even, even whenever he came and found me at like 21 years of age. Um, and I just want you guys to know that because I think there's a lot of people here that are still struggling with that because we can listen to all the preachers we want and we can tune into all the theological conversations and we can uh, we can read all the all the scripture and the commentaries and get all the information and still not understand this one thing that God cannot stop loving you and God that does love you wherever you're at. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, regardless of where you are in life. I mean, look at Abel, how he's opening up. Not even six months ago, he was fully transitioned uh, um, into a female, yet God loved him and God pulled him out of that life. God pulled him out of that darkness. The same thing is true for you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through today, whatever questions you have, just know that the, the, the truth of it is, is that God loves you. And God is calling you out of that darkness. God is calling you out of that life. And it starts off with repentance. It starts off with accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and following him. Um, So, yeah, there are things God can't do. And one of those is stop loving you. But he's also just. But he's also just to forgive those sins if you would turn them over and give them to him and follow him. Um, And if you guys ever have any questions about that, what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like to to accept him as Lord and Savior, to experience the gift of eternal life that he offers us, uh, join the GMA Discord, message any of the guys on the screen right now, uh, message most of the people that's just commenting, uh, and we would love to chat with you about it. But honestly, a lot of people think that this life-changing situation has to happen in a church pew. Um, I got saved at a youth leadership conference, Um, so God will save you no matter where you are. Um, and so wherever you're at right now, take that moment uh, to, to pray to Jesus, uh, to, to give your life to him. And if you, you have questions, reach out to any one of us and we would love to talk to you about it. All right. There we go. I think I recap something we talked about. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Hills. I, that was good. Yes. I like it. You did well. Thank you. You did well. Guys, that was our soup box for the evening and our episode. Before we finish, I want to remind you of a couple of things. Uh, GMA is completely volunteer ran. Everybody that you see on screen, nobody has ever made a dime in GMA. Uh, we do this because we we love gamers, we love Jesus, and we go, hey, those two things probably need, need to get to know each other. But uh, we are ministering. We're, we're, we do ministry for our community. Again, nothing comes to us. If you have ever thought about going, hey, 
I'd like to support GMA, you can always sub to the channel. But another thing you can do is go to godmodeactivated.com forward slash support. And there's a couple of different options there that you could support the ministry. Again, it doesn't go to us. Nobody gets a paycheck. Uh, it goes to the ministry. So we can continue to Wait, what? Make, nah, content, make shows. Just kidding. Uh, Just kidding. <laughs> make content, uh, make shows. And this year, you're going to be seeing a lot more from GMA and our content from multiple different avenues. Uh, we're really excited for it for some changes that we've made to be able to bring you all more things that you can share not just invite people to hear on sunday night but maybe youtube videos or tiktoks things that you can do to be able to connect with people and go hey this video touched me this video was awesome it moved me it motivated i want to share it with you those things are going to be coming uh thank you so much but if you're looking at supporting go to godmodeactivated.com forward slash support the link is in the chat deuce and dropped it there i appreciate it so much guys before we go though next week's going to be a really interesting week i really want you all to come back next week is going to be talking about chronic diseases and Ill illnesses it's almost mm -hmm. like if god loves us so much why would he even create people with these things that that you know seemingly can ruin lives before they even ever get started and we're going to be talking about those it's a difficult difficult conversation that we're going to tackle and go into because uh, yep. it's something that we need to. We need to have conversations about these things. Uh, so make sure you're here next week for that. Before we leave, though, gentlemen, uh, I want to give you all an opportunity that chat might be able to plug up with you or connect with you more later in the future. Uh, Pastor Deucin, uh, where can people find you here on the interwebs? Yeah, so my name is Pastor Deucin. You can find me right here on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Pastor Deucin. Like I always say, I'm a real pastor who plays Pokemon, Doom, and everything in between, all with the intention of sharing God's love with the gaming world because I believe God loves gamers and so do I. Um, but you can also find me anywhere else on the internet where you're active. I'm probably active on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on whatever. Uh, it's all Pastor Deucin the same way, spelled everywhere. But I'd love to connect with you, love to get to know you better. Uh, so drop a follow and uh, love to get to know you. Dr. Heels, how can I find you? Yeah, so you can uh, find me all over the internet. Uh, you can find me here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Dr. Heels. Um, you can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Dr. Heels for some design content and youtube.com slash uh, That Bold Life for some Christian rela related content. Doing Doing a lot of reactions and stuff lately and those have been going great. Um, yeah, I stream. If you want to hang out with me on Twitch, pretty late at night, every Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Love to see you guys. Come on. Uh, I am Fairstorm. You can find me here on Twitch. Uh, find me on Instagram or Twitter. I am currently in the middle of a gigantic life upheaval. Uh, my family and I are moving to the Atlanta area to go work with 12 Stone Church there in Gwinnett County, just northeast of Atlanta right inside the metro area of Atlanta. I am going to be a spiritual formations pastor. I'm excited. I'm actually stepping out of student ministry for the first time in my life to go work with adults, which means I don't have to go to camp, Deustin. I'm sorry, but <laughs> ha ha. Yeah. Get my summers back. Yeah. Hey, this is not a joke. This is not a joke. This will be the first summer in ministry in my life. I will get to spend my birthday at home with my family. Wow. I don't I don't know what that's like. I don't know what my house looks like on my birthday. Maybe it looks different. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I am really excited that with that. Uh, guys, before we go, though, we had one other question given to us by Dude2181. Uh, uh, I thought you might – he came in a chat a little late, and I want to give you an opportunity mm -hmm. to answer this. Uh, he goes, hey, I need some help, and I get, we offered an opportunity for him to answer. He goes, how do you how do you get over fear of people? It's preventing me from getting a job. 
Uh, and just so you know, I have a personal connection with this, not me going through it, but my mother has high anxiety of people where it limits her interactions uh, to be able to do lots of things, like even with family, like like to get out of the house to go make memories with the grandchildren or things like that. So I, I'm, I'm connected with this question. Uh, Pastor Deuce and Pastor Eels, uh, Dr. Eels, do you all have any any wisdom for dude over here about how he might be able to overcome that fear or maybe even not just overcome it in one fell swoop, but like where's a step that he might be able to take or they, they might be able to take. I don't know. Boy, girl. Yeah. I don't know who dude yeah. is. I just like dude. The dude. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, where I would start is it's kind of like you said with a, you know, one step at a time. I don't know that th this is one of those things that you, you know, run into uh, head first. Maybe I'm wrong. I haven't, you know, dealt with this particular anxiety personally, but I've dealt with other. And a lot of times it is it is easier to build up a, a slow tolerance. And um, and maybe in this scenario, it's, you know, to, to go somewhere where, where other people are. Maybe go with someone you're, you're comfortable with, like have a friend go with you. So you kind of have a support system there. Um, and, and go to, go to like, always encourage. So I have students that kind of have the deal with this too. Um, and so I always encourage them to, to find, um, things that they are, um, interested in. So for instance, if any of my, my kids are in like magic, the gathering or, or video games or something, something of that nature, find a way to, to meet up with people with similar interest. Um, and I find that like once a conversation sparks about a, a similar interest, um, that it's a lot easier to just build relationship and, and get comfortable with each other. And so it may be doing something like that to find uh, a, a similar interest with people and, and start overcoming that fear in that way um, is, is to just go in. And, and I understand that the question is specifically like you're having a hard time getting a job and stuff because of it. Um, and that's why I would kind of like step through it, like with small, small steps. Um, but yeah, that would be my suggestion. Find ways to get around people you don't know. Because usually that is the fears, uh, people you don't know. Find ways to get around people you don't know who you might have similar interests that you can talk to and spark conversation with. Yeah. And a lot of times, depending on the situation, maybe just having someone that you are close to with you in those situations can be helpful too. If you got someone to lean on, someone to kind of, you know, bounce off of so you're not there just kind of in your own energy and having to get through this on your own but um yeah so those are those are good ideas dude the the thing that my mother had had done and that we we did with her was give her easy outs uh find mm. people that you are comfortable with that you know you're willing to take an opportunity or take a step into something that's scary but then find people that would give you easy out. So like my mother, she would have clear limitations. And the second she was like, I'm done. We like, it wouldn't be a fight or a battle to try to stress her into more things. But since she felt like she was in control to be able to control that situation of when she spent time around people, we continually encouraged her to try more. She would resist, but she knew she needed to do that. So she'd be willing to take a step. And when she said, no, we would, accept that and then we, we we'd follow it and go back to be able to help build like a resistance again uh, uh to overcome those that fear and anxiety uh, a lot of fear of people come from anxieties of things that can be all over of lack of acceptance of fear of them not liking who you truly are or people finding out who you really are there's a lot of reasons and that's something that's not just going to be overcome by just confronting people it's something that you have to be able to dive into yourself and learn to be able to expose admit and share with people uh who you trust and then being able to go hey 
can we take a step together? Uh, but we'll be we'll be praying praying for that specifically. Uh, shoot, we can even pray that tonight when we sign off. I'll, I'll, I'll pray here in just a minute, and we'll we'll pray for you and pray for tonight, uh, and we'll we'll go on. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for spending your evening with me. Uh, yeah. I'll pray and I'll pray for for dude here. Uh, uh, Deucen, who are we gonna go yeah. raid tonight and show <clears throat> some love? Yeah, I think we're gonna go raid uh, Pastor Pastor Shay after this. Awesome. So that'll be fun. Um, also, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Purple Teletubby. I see your your message there. Since we're about to pray, uh, they just said a little bit ago, uh, "Pray for me. I'd like to have stable income during COVID." Um, so let's yeah. let's definitely lift them up in prayer too. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I'll do that right now. Chat. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Let's pray, Father. We just come before you tonight, um, and we just thank you. Thank you for. I have an opportunity to talk about the theology of God, things you can do, things you can't do, things you'll never do. Even end up with some questions at the end that were like, hey, we don't know yet, but we're still working on this thing and getting to know who you are. Lord, I pray that as we think about the things that uh, you can't do or that you can do, let some some solid truths be anchored in our hearts that you uh, want all of us to know you. And we we need to accept you and, and follow you. Romans 10, 9, right? Confess with our mouths and believe our hearts and we will be saved. We need to repent and follow you. There is nothing in this world that you cannot overcome or forgive us of. And and that's a that's a truth that we need to hold on to. No matter with what we struggled or what we're going through, you can overcome. Lord, speaking of overcome, we just lift up dude right now uh, and the fear that they have uh, around people and the limitations it's putting on their lives to be able to find employment because of uh, the fear of being able to interact. Well, I, I don't know the root or what's going on in their lives, but I pray that you give them the ability to take a step to overcome it today, tomorrow, uh, to be able to share some of these fears with people that they trust. And I pray that whoever they share that with and have that moment of vulnerability with, that they're accepting and willing to participate in, in, in the healing that is going to happen. Lord, I, I know that you're going to be able to provide healing for this. And, and also for purple uh, coming off of a rough year, employment rates down all over, not knowing the situation in Purple's life, but Lord, I pray that you provide employment that benefits them and their families, that they can have security and not worry about uh, where the next payment for a bill is going to come from, or maybe a payment for a meal is going to come from, Lord. So much of our life has to exist on fact of just being able to stay warm. So I pray that you provide employment that they can be relieved of some of these struggles so they can focus uh, focus on the work ahead of them of what you have uh, in, in kingdom work that you're going to be doing for them. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you give steps or open doors to be able to pursue opportunities of steady employment that allow them to continue to, to grow in you and faith in you. Lord, we love you and we know you're watching over us. Uh, we know that you're for us and that you'll never forsake us. Uh, for those who love you. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Gentlemen, chat, yeah. thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. We're going to go raid Pastor Shay. Hang out in chat. Say hello. Hey, you're stopping by from GMA. Uh, yes. And we will see you all oh. next week. Also, hey, don't forget about the Dan. The Dan, our first pre-show. He was amazing. The Dan, you're yes. so yeah. Love you, brother. That was awesome. All right, chat. We'll see you guys. Bye, guys. Time for the awkward wave. Bye, guys. Hey, yeah, hold on. I got to set up the thing. You got to wave a while. <laughs> oh, a long wave, man. <laughs> it's a long Gaffa wave. Is next week is about what? people with chronic diseases or disorders. Why would God make people like that? 
Yep. 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 That'd be a fun one. And I am not spelling his name correctly here. Oh, because there's an underscore. That's why. Ah. <laughs> Come on. Zero Bay, thanks so much for coming by. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thanks, City Dove. Yeah. Hope to see you again next week. There we go. Finally hey, here we go. Good here right. we go. Sweet. Go yep. share some love All to right. Shay. Bye, chat. Bye, y'all. Bye, guys. Bye.